and welcome to River Writers, a production of the Writers Guild of Astoria, supporting writers and the literary arts in Astoria, the North Coast, and the Lower Columbia region. I'm your host, Dale Olson. River Writers provides a chance to peek behind the curtain at the craft of writing. What makes writers tick, and what do they know that might help the rest of us? My guest today is local author Jan Bono. Jan completed a 30-year teaching career on the Long Beach Peninsula, then started her second act as an author. She has written 17 books, 56 stories for Chicken Soup for the Soul, and nine one-act plays. Now she is branching out into script writing. Welcome, Jan. Thank you, Dale. I've been so excited and waiting to come in to talk to you. I love to talk about writing, and you're just going to have to hush me up when you're through hearing from me. Well, full disclosure here, Jan and I usually meet online once a month um, with uh, Timberline uh, Timberland Library in Iwako uh, for Friends with Words, and that is a, a the place that we have kind of gotten to know each other during the pandemic. And uh, Jan, I'm just I'm curious. You've done so well with your Sylvia Avery cozy mystery series and Chicken Soup. What prompted you to start uh, tackling the genre of screenwriting? <laughs> well screenwriting you push send and you send in the script but a book you have to schlep from bazaar to bazaar and carry in totes and set up your table and uh, pitch it to people who may or may not come there to get a book oh so it's a little less labor intensive well i'm 68 i need labor intensive yeah well your knees are only good for so long and uh well, so are you midway through your training process on this, or is it? It's a 10-week course that's spread over 12 weeks, three hours every Wednesday night. And what we've been doing is learning the craft bit by bit by bit and adding a little more to the homework and more to the homework. This week, we've got three full acts to write to turn in, so it's 30 uh, script pages. Now, did you did you um, go into the course with an idea of, for a story that you wanted to tell, or did it develop as you uh, got into the class? I came through the back door. I was given a gift of taking a seminar, a four-hour seminar in January. It was a Christmas gift, and uh, someone else paid for it. And wow. I took the bazaar, I took the, uh, the seminar, and in that, they were talking about how the Hallmark movie franchise is opening wide up. Um, they're accepting scripts now that include um, gay and lesbian couples. They're including scripts where maybe a person is a little more snarky, not a lot, but just a little, you know, they get to have a little barb here and there. A little and, edgy. Yeah, and, and I had an idea some time ago for a Hallmark Christmas script that had a married couple who have problems when the kids come to visit for the holidays. Oh, well, that's something most families can identify with. <laughs> and yet it's never been done because they say that isn't Hallmark. They oh. have a brand and they have really specific rules. I'm surprised. So as the spring went on, and I finished two books this year already, and as the spring developed, there was an opportunity to apply for the script writing class that I'm in, and it's a Hallmark Christmas movie um, class. And the man who's teaching it is phenomenal. If you ever want to be impressed by somebody's credentials, Google Rick Garman, G-A-R-M-A-N. He has 13 Hallmark Christmas movies that have been produced. 
plus at least 15 regular rom-coms. And he's also involved, he lives in Savannah, he's involved in cabaret and all kinds of productive, artistic type of endeavors. I don't know when he sleeps, probably he doesn't. But I am just in awe of this man, and he is so approachable and helps individually. We have little office hours every week. We have opportunities to ask him questions via email. Um, and he is, he's like, I could worship at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> if I had chosen a, somebody to take it from, it would have been him, and it happened to come up. And I got in despite that I have never written a script before. I've written one-act plays, but it's totally different because you're not working in a box. You've got settings that are interior, exterior, all over the place. But when I applied, they were going to take eight, and they did. And you had to have some writing credentials behind you and some successes. Oh, so not just anybody can do this. You could not sign up online. You had to apply. Okay, so you had to prove yourself a little bit. And I know it's an uphill stretch. I am just, you know out of breath all the time trying to keep up with women who have written, and it's all women this time, uh, women who have written four and five complete scripts, but not Hallmark and not Christmas. Well, you strike me as the type of person that uh, enjoys a challenge, especially (laughs) a writing challenge. That's how my whole, um, we'll say career, my second act, has developed, is that I have had, I wrote some poems, one got into the Portland Oregonian Sunday Supplement, and that was like, success! I got $10 for that. (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then I, I started writing about a student at school whose mother thought it was funny for me to be keeping his anecdotes. And then, and then it developed into writing for Chicken Soup for the Soul because they want the same kind of things. Also, my newspaper column uh, for the Chinook Observer I wrote over 10 years, and I won 11 state awards. And I went, award? Put it on the wall. So I have one wall. It's all these certificates. And, and it's, it's so much fun that I throw the bar just a little higher, a little higher, a little higher. So that's what I've done. When I wrote The Cozy Mysteries, I already had eight books out, and they were all short, humorous, personal experience, and, or poems. And um, my mother said, <laughs> God bless my mother, <laughs> she said, Honey, when are you going to write a whole book? <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was right. I had never written cover to cover on one storyline. Yeah. And um, so I started working on that, and... The Sylvia Avery Covey mystery series developed out of it, and I loved the characters so much. I thought it was going to be a three-book series. When I got to six, on the back of the book, I put in the sixth and final story because I thought, I'll keep writing them. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're getting heavy to drag around. Well, I'm sure you have some fans that are uh, pressing you for that seventh <laughs> book in the series. and There may be a sequel. Okay. Well, we'll just leave that dangling. Uh so do you find yourself um, with, in, with being in the screenwriting mode right now, do you find yourself eavesdropping on conversations in public this places? This is not something new. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I recall one particular time you were telling about a woman who came to your home about a poem, and I immediately thought, what if that woman was casing the joint for a serial killer that was hiding in the bushes or something? <laughs> You know, you have to be thinking all the time, what if, what if, what if, because I love those kind of things. Yeah. Take well, it outside the box. Is it difficult uh, when you're writing um, for for the screen or for a play to tell the story primarily through dialogue? No. I love dialogue. And the, uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, they want you to start with dialogue. They want the characters to tell the story. Hmm. And the one-act plays... What I found in that is I was giving so much stage direction 
um, the nine of them that have been on the stage, the directors have all found it really easy because I was doing their job for them. Uh, my instructor, Rick, he says, let the creatives do their job. Don't do it for them. Just put words in the characters' mouths. So it's very little of, of the background, very little action lines, very few. And then um, I just, you know, what they're going to say. And then the director's in charge of where they're going to stand and, you know, if they're going to sip their coffee at this time. You don't put that stuff in. Do you still start, though, with an outline? Absolutely. A script, a script writing process starts with something called a log line, which is one sentence and it can be a long, compound, complex sentence, under 50 words for sure. The shorter, the better. But it's a one sentence that says, this is what my movie's about. And then from that, if the producer is interested, he wants to see the pitch sheet. The pitch sheet is no more than one page, and it's, this is what the movie's about, and it's expanded. Yeah. Then if he likes the pitch sheet, we go to an outline. An outline is 10 pages. It has all nine acts in it, and it breaks it down. And there's a lot of rules, like in the first five minutes, you have to introduce all the main characters, even if they're just in mentioning, like Grandpa will be over later. It sounds like the process is similar to dating. <laughs> I wouldn't know I'm not dating. <laughs> but you know, you start out with the little back and forth emails or little, you know, little... Uh, liking something that somebody has 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 said, and then progressing to maybe a, a telephone conversation, yeah. and then a yeah, well, coffee. If, if they like what they see, they ask for more. Yeah. You're right; it is a lot like it. Yeah. So, what when you finish this script, what what do you do to get it uh, to get it to that next level? Is is Hallmark the only place that you shop it around to, or no? Hallmark is uh, the main, um, I'm missing a word producer there. Or... <laughs> producer, purveyor, I, I don't know what the word is, yeah. but, but they, uh, they take, they, last year they took 41 Christmas movies. Oh my. And uh, Lifetime, I think, took 12, like one Friday, Saturday night for six weeks, new ones. And um, so they, they branch it out that way. Um, I think Netflix takes five, like Saturday night for five weeks before mm. Christmas. And so they are the major market. Yeah. However, as we are in week six, class number seven is actually tomorrow night. Um, I've discovered that I'm not actually writing a strictly Hallmark movie. Oh. <laughs> They're still not ready for what I want to write. And yeah. the instructor says, write your passion. Write this play or the, the movie. And, and I'm thinking this is kind of like my warm-up script because yeah. I'm learning how to do Boy Meets Girl you know, they have the almost kiss. They have the all is lost moment. They have the different things that come up in certain acts. And, and then, of course, you get to kiss with like 30 seconds left on the clock. But and, and they have rules for all of these. Just like real life. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> I actually am having a ball doing it. And, and I wrote him a note yesterday and I said, I said, I think you might have been disappointed that I'm not writing a traditional Hallmark script. Yeah. And I said, don't feel bad about it. I, I'm getting everything I need out of this class. Yeah. Do you have uh, critique partners or We beta all critique readers? each other. Oh, okay. There are eight of us. And, and one of the things I did this morning at 5 a.m., um, they have to turn them in by 6 p.m. on Monday, 
Pacific time and 9 p.m. Eastern. We have people all across the United States. Well, the eight of us, we're spread out as you can get. Mm-hmm. One's in Trinidad. <laughs> and so so uh, this morning I got up and I started reading their 20 pages for this week and making comments and critique marks yeah. and everything. And then we get time tomorrow to go over those. You're the best thing, the thing you like best and the thing you would suggest. We don't, we don't tear each other up. This is just right. friendly, constructive criticism. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, the the writing group that I'm in um, through the Writers Guild. We uh, structure our critique process much the same way, where we we tell each other what we like, what we think's working, mm-hmm. what uh, we connect with emotionally in um, what someone has written, um, and and we raise questions. Yes, you know if if there's something that you know is kind of uh, a, a glaring omission or something that just doesn't make sense will raise that question but um but everything is um you know there's an emphasis on being a positive encouraging uh and and finding the good in 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 what's in what's going on because it's 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 an early it's a first draft yeah and there's no reason not to be positive there's enough people that want to tear you down let's go for what's going to boost you up exactly now, uh, just to uh, switch gears a little bit, on your website, Jan Bono Books, um, you mentioned writing as a retirement activity. Can you, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Um, I don't have a deadline. Well, I do with the script. <laughs> That's totally different. Right. But um, I write in a, in a normal year. After the holidays, January, I'm doing a lot of research. February, I'm writing a synopsis. March, I'm, I'm putting the final touches with adding some dialogue to a maybe 30-page uh, summary. And so it's kind of the same process, no matter what you're writing. And then about the 1st of March, I start writing. And, and if I want to go someplace for a couple of weeks, I do. <laughs> when, when you retired from teaching, did you know that this was going to be your second act? Yes. Because I started, I taught until 2006, which is 16 years already, mm-hmm. 16 years and 17 books. Yeah. And, but when I was, it's like 1992, I tore my Achilles tendon and I missed two months of school and I'm home. And I had a tiny little, we call them, you know, little Macs. They were Mac classics, little nine inch screen. I wasn't even mm-hmm. hooked up to the internet yet. Yeah. And I was writing um, little personal humorous stories for the newspaper and would send it in on my disc. Somebody would take it for me to the pa- paper <laughs> and then they'd print it and I got a contract. I think those were called floppy disks. Well, these were three and a half, not five and a quarter. Okay. <laughs> so they were, they were getting a little more substantial, but I didn't even have email yet. Right. Right. There was a, there was a period there where the technology just hadn't evolved to that mm-hmm. point. And I mean, I, I remember how, uh, being introduced to a Mac mm-hmm. at a, a job that I had, and I had, and it and it came online um, while I was on maternity leave. So when I came back, I suddenly was confronted with, you know, something that was completely uh, uh-huh. foreign to me. I came back in 1990 to teach fourth grade, and the principal said, "Come up to the library. I've got a surprise for you." And there were 15 little Macs sitting there. And I said, who's going to teach this? And he said, you're the youngest. We think you're the most adaptable. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. And I've loved it. I mean, it's it's been a good thing for me. Yeah. And plus, there's just endless uh, resources online for researching uh, 
any anything you want to write about. Even running around with my phone in my hand, if I want to look something up, I will research it right that second and put it down in my notes. Yeah, and I'm sure. Do you do you uh, have a habit of erasing your search histories? No, <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Although my mother, <laughs> bless her heart, she's the one who gave me the title. Is there room in the backyard for one more body? Yeah. And and she had called me one Sunday morning and said that, and I said, do you know that a cadaver dog can smell a decaying corpse when it's buried 15 feet under the ground? And she <laughs> said, how do you know that? And I said, I Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, when they come and get your computer, do I know you or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice for her to at least ask. Uh, so when uh, when you've written a story... Do do you ever have friends uh, uh, come up to you after it's it's been published and recognize themselves? Oh, yeah. Some of them beg to be in. Really? Yeah, and then they aren't real happy with the way I depict them. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you got to turn loose of it. That would be my concern. Yeah. Well, it's... it's Just it's... take 40 pounds off and I'm good. <laughs> well, and, and one woman has had some... Um, shall we say, uh, Botox and other enhancements so that she doesn't look old. And I put that in the book because I said, if you want it based on you, it's got to be based on you. Right. Warts and all. Exactly. Or whatever. But you were asking if I knew I wanted to write. Yeah. I wanted, when I was seven, I asked Santa Claus for a blackboard and a piece of chalk because I knew I wanted to teach. Then when I was nine, I was writing a story with my cousin and we were mailing it. You know, remember mail? Right. <laughs> and sending it back and forth and writing the next chapter. Oh. And the other thing I wanted so to do. you were co-writing. With, yeah. With... And then in 1969, July 20th, uh, when, you know, Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon, I said, I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> so I've done two out of my three. Yeah. <laughs> and the astronaut's not going to happen because I have re- very poor eyesight. Yeah. Well, so. sometimes you have to let those dreams go or just find another, maybe write a story from the yeah. point of view of an astronaut. Absolutely. Um, have you ever written a story and as you were in the process of writing it, has has have you ever had a story take an unexpected turn that the, you didn't see coming? You might want to rephrase that question. I've never had a story that has not taken an unexpected oh, turn. Oh, okay. Those characters tell me what they want to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I live with them. I, I sleep with my characters. I, you know, they're always in my head. They're always running around. And, and one uh, man in the third book of the series, I thought he was a one-book appearance. And oh, no. I fell in love with him. My characters just adapted him and just brought him into the, the fold. And he became another one of the main characters. I also, in, in the same book, book three, I brought in a five-person geriatric belly dancing troupe. <laughs> I love it. And, and I had taken some belly dancing classes, so I knew a little bit about it. So have I, just full disclosure here. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, they were supposed to be one book. But at the end of the book, one of them suddenly said, we're healthy, we're fit. There's no reason we can't find love again. They were all widows. Yeah. And, and they said, we're going to try online dating. So book four became all the ways the sheriff tried to keep them safe when they would prefer that he wasn't following them on their blind dates. Yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad that your characters don't limit the, themselves. And th- much like you, yourself, you are um, pushing, pushing that envelope all the time, it seems like. Well, I, I, a long time ago, a friend of mine said, if you're still sucking air, there's still hope. Yeah. That's... And I feel if you're still sucking air, there's still time to do something new. Yeah. 
Um, who, who most influenced you as a writer, Jan? There have been a lot. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Robert Michael Pyle. Um, yeah. Bob Pyle over in Grays River is, is phenomenal. He is genuine and approachable and warm and encouraging. And, and he just said, you know, don't fight what you write, Jan. You don't have to write suspense all the time. Or you don't have to write thriller. You don't have to write this. You don't write. Just write what you write. Yeah. And I did. And so when I started, I was writing the, the um, opinion piece in the Chinook Observer. And it was fluff. And we all knew it. It was to get you to smile. There might be a moral to the story, but it wasn't going to, you know, solve the world peace problems. <laughs> it was right. Just, it was for fun. Yeah. And and those people loved them. Even my minister quoted it from the pulpit. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Um, people are starting to know what's going on here. And the woman who wrote the column before I did, she said, I don't know. She says, writing a, <laughs> writing a, a column in a small town newspaper is a lot like walking naked in the streets. <laughs> and that affected me, too. What a great because, analogy. <laughs> yeah, it was like, they're going to know everything about you or they're going to think they do. Yeah. They would stop me in the grocery store and ask me about people in the, in the column. And, and it, was, it was so much fun. I enjoyed it. What advice do you have for other writers who make the decision to self-publish as, as you have done? Well, I've done it 16 times out of 17. <laughs> Originally, uh, Kaleidoscope Press in Puyallup wanted to do a four-book series on my newspaper columns. And unfortunately, that was back um, 1998-ish when we had a minor recession. And uh, 28 independent publishers went out of business that year. And she wow. was one of them. Oh, no. She moved to Thailand. She became a missionary. She's very happy. She's still living in Thailand. But she wrote me emails when I finally got email <laughs> and uh, coached me on how to do it. Really? And I I took to it because you get so much more control. You get to know what the cover looks like. You get to do the layout right. You get yeah. to have, you know, all kinds of things. You don't think about the pesky little details if you're writing a story. And I enjoyed um, being able to be, you know, flexible that way and get exactly what I wanted to see when I held the book in my hands. Right. What It, it sounds like um, you really benefited not only just from that relationship, but just from her generosity. And I think that that's one thing that, um, that I've noticed with people in, in the writing field. There, there are so many generous people out there who are willing to um, give other writers a hand up. And because they were given a hand up. Exactly. Pass it on. Exactly. And, and, and we, well, I can't really say I've uh, arrived where I want to be as a writer yet, but, but I, I really do strongly believe in um, paying it forward. And when you do have an opportunity to give a hand up to someone who's um, just starting out or, or needing some help or guidance, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an act of kindness and compassion, uh, because none of us would get anywhere without without others who have that generous spirit. In a single month, I probably get four or five people who want to tell me about a book they want to write, and I said, write the book first, and I'll read it, and then I'll tell them how to write it. You know, mm -hmm. do their outline, yeah. get their research done, write a rough draft, put a you know a pitch sheet. You know, kind of this is in chapter one, chapter right. two, chapter three. Right. Who um who believed in you? as a writer early on? Hmm. Boy, that's a t kind of a tough question. Um, might have been Matt Winters. 
the Chinook Observer editor, because he sent me, after I sent in three or four little things that I thought, if you need, it, you need something, here's this. And he sent me a contract, and he said, how about doing this every other week? Did not know that was going to make it happen for over 10 years. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. And he very rarely did I see a blue line on my, on my writing. And he just kept encouraging me to do what I was doing. And I did. Well, um, when you were writing that, uh, that column for the Chinook Observer, um, what did you enjoy the most about it? And what did you enjoy the least? <laughs> it's probably the same thing. Um, getting my community fame, you know, that 15 minutes of fame right. thing. Somebody would stop me and say, oh, I read that thing about how you were putting tinsel on your Christmas tree in the nude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm going like, oh, boy. And, and, you know, and that was it would give me a boost that somebody's reading my work. And yeah. I love that. But it was also be careful what you say, because it's going to come back on you. Right. Yeah. Do you, are you still writing poetry? Absolutely. There's, I'm still writing everything. I'm still writing short, humorous pieces for Chicken Soup. I just found out I'm, I'm in it for the 56th time. comes out in October, their Christmas book. How did you get started writing the Chicken Soup stories? I, I was writing anecdotes about Josh, who was a real student in my class. His mother and he have signed off on it, so I may mention his real name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay. Josh, I'd go to a staff meeting and, you know, the principal would say, Jan, tell us a Josh story while we wait for everybody to get here. And so I did. And then somebody said one day, are you putting these in a book? And I went, oh, geez, I should be doing that. And, and I had them all written down. And then someone said to me, this sounds like a chicken soup story. And I didn't know what that was. So I took the first story in the Josh book, which was about teaching, Welcome to the Fourth Grade, it was called, uh-huh. sent it in, and it got in. Huh. They get 2,000 stories for each book, and they take 101. So the odds on this were not real good in my favor, but it got in. How did you know how to submit to them? It's online. Oh. chickensoup.com okay gee uh and and after that first story got in did you kind of see what the secret recipe was yeah. well i knew because when i read their their format i went i'm already doing this this yeah. is this is what i've done for every one of my columns yeah what what advice would you give to someone who's uh retired and maybe has always wanted to write and uh, maybe doesn't have the self-confidence or the experience to jump in. Well, I was told by another mentor, I, there's so many of them, so many people that gave me a hand up, who said, you have permission to write crap. And I said, excuse me? And he said, it doesn't have to be Pulitzer Prize winning material. You only have to get the beginnings of the story down, get the bones. You can yeah. always flesh it out. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, is there anything that intimidates you about writing? <laughs> oh, I suppose when I see other writers with 30, 40, 50 books out and they've been very successful and they've made a career of it, I go, wow, that's not me. And the other part of me says, and they didn't teach for 30 years first. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we all have our place and it's all necessary and fluff is important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on River Writers, and thank you to my guest, author Jan Bono, for sitting down to chat with us about writing. Also, thank you to my dad for composing and playing the River Writers theme song. The Writers Guild of Astoria is a 501c3 nonprofit organization serving writers in Oregon and Washington. More information about the Writers Guild can be found at www.thewritersguild.org. 
Until next time, keep the words flowing and your pencil sharp. I'm Dale Olson for River Riders. Thank you.